The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I talk about Wrestle Kingdom 15. Unbelievable show. Very different than Wrestle Kingdoms from the past. We break it down with you, the Busted Open Nation. Also... We look at what we're going to see at Monday Night Raw with the return of the legends. We've seen it before. Exactly how are they going to use those returning legends? All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Will Ospreay and Okada. Okada getting the win over Ospreay in one of the main events from Wrestle Kingdom 15. Night number one. There will be a second night that we'll be talking about tomorrow here on Busted Open. And, you, and there's a lot of matches to talk about, but to me, this is a two-match card in a lot of ways. And that's Okada and Osprey, and then what we got in the main event from this morning with Naito and Ibushi. And you want to know the future of New Japan? You got Okada, who seems like he's been around forever, Bully, and a lot of people will say he's the best wrestler in the world. He's 32 years old, and Will Ospreay's 27. And here he is being in one of the main events at Wrestle Kingdom 13. And at the beginning of that clip, you hear Kevin Kelly say, 35-minute mark. You could have told me that was 15 minutes into the match, and I would have believed you. You talk about Okada and Osprey. You talk about the athleticism. But even more than that, the story that they're telling in the ring. I mentioned to you that during the G1, that one thing that was missing from Will Osprey a tremendous athlete, but telling a story in the ring. He did it again this morning at Wrestle Kingdom 15. I mean, it's a week into the new year, and this is probably one of those matches that people are going to say is a uh, match of the year candidate uh, when we're when we're talking about the uh, December 2021 bully. But phenomenal match between Okada and Will Ospreay. Uh, a non uh, a no title match. I mean, uh, if you would have told me. A year ago that you would be getting Okada and Osprey, I probably thought it would be for a title, but without a title on the line, tremendous match between these two this morning. How, do you think you've seen a, um, an improvement in Osprey with his storytelling in the ring? Did he, yeah. did he rely on storytelling more than his athleticism this time around, or was uh, it a nice mixture of both? I would say it's a nice mixture of both. When you're talking about a Will Ospreay, of course, it's going to be about his athleticism and what he can do in the ring because there's not many people that can do what he can do in the ring. But there was a story starting at G1, you know, with, you know, Okada being a, you know, almost a mentor to Ospreay and Ospreay turning on Okada. 
you needed to have something like that for Will Ospreay. There needs to be a story that he can sink his teeth into. And they really have done that in 2020 for Will Ospreay. So sure, Bully, you're getting the athleticism, which you know you're going to get from a Will Ospreay, but it's more about telling the story, especially when you get near the end of the match and you start having those false finishes. There needs to be something just a little bit more to make Will Ospreay that major superstar, which I think he can be. I think you saw that in the match this morning. I've always been a fan of Will. Uh, I like what he does in the ring. Uh, Right before COVID, I was starting to see more stuff from him that really radiated or resonated with me with regard to his taking his time in the ring more and his facials in the ring. Um, I definitely think Will has learned how to shift into different gears um, during his matches. Did you see that last night between Osprey and Okada? Yes. They're, they're, you, you know what? We're used to him going 100 miles per hour from start to finish. At times, you need to slow it down. And I think that's why it's good to have Okada, because Okada can do that. A lot of times with New Japan, Bully, and you've talked about this a lot, and I know it's a sticking point with you when it comes to especially title matches in New Japan, and that's how much time they spend outside the ring. Did you get that in, in, in the matches that we're going to be talking about? Yes, you do. But not that like continuous long marathon of being outside the ring. There's ways you could slow down the match without being outside the ring, and I thought you got that balance with Okada and Osprey. Was Okada and Osprey your match of the night? <laughs> it's going to be between that and the main event that we're about to talk about. But yes, I would probably give it to to Will Osprey and Okada. And again, you know, when you look at New Japan right now, like twenty seven years old is a is a baby. You know, we talk about AEW, talk about MJF and and Orange Cassidy, and how young those wrestlers are. And how they've been elevated on that roster. Will Ospreay almost feels like he's been around forever. And he's only 27. I mean, I think... And I this is a reason why I wanted to start with this match, Bully. Because I know how high you are when it comes to Will Ospreay. And Will Ospreay is, is one of the best professional wrestlers right now. Going into 2021. How would you compare the Ospreay-Okada match that you saw last night to Okada Omega one. It's hard because Okada Omega one is what put me and you on the same show together. Yes. It's what put us on the same show together. And I think you would agree bully brought a lot of eyes to new Japan that haven't been there before. Yes. That was the type of match. It's, it's not on that same level. And the reason why is because it wasn't for the IWGP heavyweight championship. Number one. And number two, you know, whether it was on purpose or not, Okada's been on the back burner for the last year plus. I mean, hopefully this is his, you know, opportunity to get back into the main event picture. But you would agree, we haven't really spoken much about Okada. It's funny, in this matchup, Okada's actually kind of changed, you know, his finisher from the Rainmaker to the Money Clip. And he used both of them and ultimately using the Rainmaker in this match. So maybe this is kind of a wake-up call. Okada has said publicly in some interviews that he feels like the booking this past year is a big reason why there isn't as many eyes on New Japan that there has been 
in the past. So I'm wondering if that's going to change in 2021. What is the money clip? Uh, that's now a submission move that o- Okada is using. So he went from that big pop, you know, mm-hmm. rainmaker with that clothesline to to a submission hold. Um, it, it, again, you're going to get a bigger pop for a rainmaker than you are for a money clip. Going back to what you said, uh, Okada said in an interview that he's been a little bit critical of the booking with New Japan this year. Would you agree with him, or do you think he's been critical of the booking because he's been on the back burner? It's 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 very possible. They what they what they're doing now. It's I can't say reloading because they're using stars that were already on the roster, but. What they're doing is they're putting different pieces in the main event. You and I had questions about Jay White. After the G1 and what possibly we can see tomorrow night, that's going to answer a lot of those questions that we've had about Jay White. Obushi is another wrestler bully that we've had questions about. Love Obushi. He's athletic. We've seen him in you know uh, some amazing matches, but I never really looked at Obushi as the guy. We're going to see now whether he's going to be the guy moving forward. They're obviously being strategic. They were able to get, obviously, Tanahashi. I, I've said on this on this show publicly many times, I think he's the greatest New Japan pro wrestler of all time. Okada, obviously, a lot of people will say, is the best wrestler in the world over the last few years. I think they felt that they needed to put a little bit more pieces on the forefront, and they've done that. Now, do you take a little bit of a step back by doing that? Yeah, you do, but... Again, let's see where they are a year or two years from now after what they've been able to do in 2020. Lionel Messi has officially told Barcelona he wants to leave the club. The biggest name in soccer is on the move. Lionel Messi has brought the club to their knees. What went wrong at Barcelona? For three years, he's seen this team dissolve like an Alka-Seltzer in a glass of Newcastle brown ale. What's next for Lionel Messi? From a footballing viewpoint, Italy's the best place for him. Follow this true tale of international intrigue every day on Sirius XM FC 157. We have a new dual champion, IWGP heavyweight champion and IWGP intercontinental champion is now Kota Ibushi. Amazing match. You just heard those knee strikes that won him the match beat Naito clean in the middle of the ring. And he was so like out of it, Ibushi, that even when they were laying side by side when that match was over, Kota Ibushi went and covered Naito again. He didn't even realize he had won the match. So much was taken out of him. And then you see, you see go ahead, Bully. Love that. (laughs) What you described right there, I love. That's the kind of stuff that's going to make me want to watch. So Ibushi beat Naito. That's the one, two, three. The music's playing. And he's laying there selling the fight, selling the match. And then gets up and goes and crawls over to try to cover Naito again because he thinks the match is still going on. Man, is that phenomenal storytelling after the match is over that kind of stuff i love it was looking so forward cool. to seeing that you've sold so cool. me more on naito and abushi with that little point than you did on okada and osprey and that's fine because a lot of it and and also to see red shoes like go you know come up to him and be like no you won the match like it's over you won the match and also too seeing naito taking those two belts and handing them to abushi that's that's a clear uh, you know, passing of the torch. Because, again, there are a lot of questions about Ibushi. The fans love Ibushi. He's an underdog, but he's an underdog 
that's now a champion, and he's got another threat, you know, tonight, tomorrow morning, whatever time you're listening to this show, Bully. Um, But it's going to be interesting what happens with Jay White because Jay White is another one that he's not looked upon the same way as a Tanahashi or an Okada. Uh, So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in that matchup between those two at night number two. And Jay White came out and addressed Kota Ibushi. And just seeing Ibushi, like, shocked that he had won the match. It is. It's definitely worth watching. Um, You know what? If you can't watch the entire card, I I cannot recommend those last two matches enough to go back and watch. And, you know, I got an interesting tweet. And I want to get... And I'm not bashing on this person because you said our poll and you said that, you know, 70% of people said they weren't going to watch it. Maybe we'll change some minds. But 1978 Corvette tweeted at me, said, looking forward to the live show to tune in to hear a summary of of a show people didn't watch. Jeez. Well, Bully, one of the reasons that we put this show together to begin with was to teach fans. I, I, you know, how many times have we've gotten people that have said to us, I never watched AEW. I've never watched Ring of Honor. I never watched New Japan until I started listening to Bust It Open. Uh, to me, that's the biggest compliment of all that we actually get you to watch other wrestling. If you're a pro wrestling fan, why would you not want to watch other shows? Now more than ever, there's so much available. Um, Wrestling, technical wrestling-wise, what goes on in the ring and between the ropes, I don't think anybody does it better than New Japan Pro Wrestling Bully. I would say NXT and New Japan. Because I've been a, uh, I've been a fan of the NXT in-ring product uh, more and more lately. Ever since Halloween Havoc, I believe, or maybe right before Halloween Havoc, I thought they um, really upped their in-ring work and I enjoyed it. But with the New Japan style, it's a, the athleticism and the physicality that happens in the ring in New Japan, I mean, is second to none. I mean, so many of the things that they do and, and the realism in which they do it uh, with, the selling and the registering. Uh, I've always been a fan of the Japanese psychology and how they incorporate their strong style into making things make sense. Sometimes what happens, and this happens more times than not, you get American wrestlers who try to emulate what they see in Japan, whether that was all Japan back in the day or Noah or New Japan now, but what they forget to do is register and sell these moves the way they should. Just listening to you describe, the, the, the painting the word picture that you did of Ibushi trying to cover Naito again, That right there makes so sense. That gives so much credibility to the fight. That gives so much credibility to how bad of a beating Naito was able to put on Ibushi, but Ibushi somehow still got the win, but completely didn't realize the match was over. And I don't ever remember seeing like that something before, seeing like something like that before. And if it has happened, I don't care because I never heard about it. So I'm hearing about it for the first time and hearing about that little snippet of the match that probably took place 10 to 15 seconds after the match is enough to get me invested in that match. And I think it's worth watching. And, you know, you, you, you talk about the strong style. People talk about the strong style, but you're right. It tries to be emulated, but there's nothing like what you see with New Japan. 
even to the point like, and we've seen this a million times before, but after that championship match, when both both competitors are on on their backs on the mat, you know, the assistants coming in, other referees coming in with the ice packs, you know, on the back and the neck, on the head. Like, it brings credibility. Now, do they do things that make you scratch your head? Like, do they really know, need to go to this extreme with some of the striking and some of the things we see? All right, that could be questioned. But when you talk about credibility from beginning to end, Bully, there's not, there is no wrestling organization, none, that is more credible than New Japan Pro Wrestling. And honestly, we've talked about it before, and you know how much I, I love that 10 pounds of gold that NWA World Heavyweight Championship, I don't think there's any other title right now that's more credible than that IWGP Heavyweight Championship. It's always been held in high esteem. And the way you talk about that IWGP Championship and how much credibility you have, you you say it has, how much weight it holds in the wrestling community, This just backs up my argument from years ago about Okada Omega 1 and how much time was spent on the floor and how much of a problem I had with it. I'm not going down this road. I'm just saying Mm -hmm. because you have a championship that is so esteemed, all of the rules and regulations of the match should apply. You should have the most credible wrestling match. It should be treated like Flair Steamboat to me. And when you spend that much time on the floor, the referee is now throwing the prestige of the championship out the door because a referee officiating an IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match should be sticking, he should be by the book right down the middle. So that's just, uh, that's my point on that with regard to you talking about how big of a championship this is in the world. Yeah, and, you know, and there is history. Obviously, there's history between Naito and Ibushi, I believe. And tell me if I'm wrong, Bully. I think the, you know, going back to that show um, in 2019, you know, the Ring of Honor New Japan show at Madison Square Garden, a sold-out Madison Square Garden, which, to me, that that show's not talked about enough how great that show was. And, again, a sold-out Madison Square Garden, you know, the flagship building for the WWE. I believe the only match that night that had two Japanese competitors in the ring was Naito and Ibushi on that show. So seeing that again in the main event for Wrestle Kingdom 15, it shows you the lineage and it shows you the history between those two competitors. Back out to the Twitter machine, this guy Joker Apollo showing you some love. Uh, uh, he's basically saying I'm in the same boat as bully. I wasn't able to watch it live, but Dave is making me feel like I have to go back and watch. So that's a hell of a compliment right there. And, and again, to the, to the people that are negative and that's fine. You, you, you know, with social media, you know, you can send out tweets and not tag me on it, not knowing that I can see it and that bully will read it on the air, but like you can have your opinion. Nobody's telling you, you have to watch it. I'm not, I think you should, if you're a pro wrestling fan, I think you would actually enjoy it. And it might open up a whole new world of pro wrestling that you've never, that you've never watched before. I mean, you know, you're unlocking a door of just amazing matches and history in the, in the world of pro wrestling right now, there's a lot of shenanigans when it comes to the heavyweight championship there, you know, there isn't a chain of command. You know, we see Carmella facing Sasha Banks after being, you know, out of pro wrestling for eight months, 
and then all of a sudden she gets a championship match. When it comes to New Japan, there's a lot of credibility. There's credibility to that championship. You know, you you have the G1 tournament to build towards a main event. I mean, there's they do a lot credibility-wise, something that's lacking in pro wrestling in a lot of ways right now, Bully. I agree with you, but I will say this. I think this year has... There was a significant lack of buzz surrounding Wrestle Kingdom 15 this year. Agreed. Now, whether or not that was because of something that you brought up earlier, uh, that being no Americans like a Jericho on the card, and maybe that helped create buzz you know, years ago, I'm not sure. Maybe the whole pandemic thing, maybe COVID, maybe the fact that uh, in America we don't get to see it on access television anymore. But Wrestle Kingdom 15, despite you putting it over right now, especially these two matches that we've been talking about, didn't seem like a must-see event. And I'm, sh- But maybe this goes back to where we are in the pro wrestling world, and we're down to diehards now. Raw has its 1.5 to 2 million people on any given Monday. SmackDown, about 2 to 2.5 on any given Friday. We get what we get with NXT and AEW. We've been whittled down to the bared bones of the, of the pro wrestling fan base, the very foundation of the fan base. Maybe that's why we had a lack of buzz for Wrestle Kingdom. Maybe that fan base isn't as... Uh, excited about Wrestle Kingdom this year as we thought they would be. Well, Bully, I will say this, and especially watching, uh, you know, the NFL. I don't think there's been any, you know, quote-unquote sport that's been more affected by this pandemic than pro wrestling. I mean, you know, I, I can watch an NFL game and not even have a thought about the crowd. You know, I'm, con- I'm, con- I'm concentrated on what's going on in the field. And they, they pipe in noise so it's not missed. But when it comes to pro wrestling, the crowd is such a big part, especially bully when it comes to big shows. You know, when it when it comes to the Wrestle Kingdoms and the WrestleManias, you know, it it, it really is about the crowd and the pop from that crowd. And you don't have that right now. Now there were, I think I believe about five thousand fans in attendance at the Tokyo Dome for night number one for Wrestle Kingdom. By the way, that might change for night number two. There could be a shutdown where there may not be any fans for night number two of Wrestle Kingdom because of the spike that that Japan is having right now with the coronavirus. So that's 5,000 fans in a building that holds over 50,000 fans. So you actually hear the echoes because that building is almost empty, you know, but it was good to have the 5,000 fans. But there is definitely, I think we could all agree, there is definitely something lacking in the world of pro wrestling. I think 2019... Bully was one of the greatest years for me as a fan of pro wrestling. And we saw the landscape change with AEW and seeing shows like we saw with New Japan and Ring of Honor at the Garden. 2020, things came crashing down. And the only thing that's missing besides some maybe creative decisions is the fact there is no crowd. They've done a good job in Daly's Place with a minimal amount of fans. You know, WWE's trying with the Thunderdome. But there is nothing that can replace a live fan in attendance. Okay, we know that there's no crowds there. We know that there's nothing that can replace a live crowd. We totally understand that. And we get to see that Wednesday nights um, with NXT and uh, AEW, especially with AEW, because I like what they do with their crowd just a little bit more. But 
You said there's something lacking in pro wrestling. Other than the fans, what's truly lacking in pro wrestling? I mean, that's the only difference. I mean, I can't think of anything else. Uh, when it I comes mean, to the individual products, when it comes to the shows, you want you want to hit the pause button and think about it for a little bit. Yeah, let me. I mean, one thing though, really quick, because I do want to get to the phone calls that people want to talk about. So maybe we can maybe we can hold this off to the top of the hour because I do want to get some to the phone calls that, that that want to talk about Wrestle Kingdom. But to go back to your original question about New Japan, think about it. You know, I would say that two out of the top five stars in New Japan over the last couple of years when it, in regards to Wrestle Kingdom would be Jericho and Kenny Omega. Both those wrestlers are now with AEW as opposed to New Japan. But it's interesting because the question I'm asking you about what's missing in pro wrestling is going to be interesting because of what we're going to see on Raw tonight. So I definitely want to get back to this conversation because I think what's missing is characters and star power. You're going to see those characters and that star power tonight on Raw. I wonder if it makes you feel any different. I'm not talking about a rating. I'm not talking whether or not you're going to pop a rating because you're resorting to the, you know, to the veterans again. But how are you going to feel when you see these characters tonight? And that's the way I'm going to try to watch Raw tonight. I'm going to see if seeing Hulk Hogan again is going to resonate with me or any of the other uh, stars that are going to be there. And I'm going to and I'm going to be like, okay, why do I feel differently about seeing this person as I do the a number one star on Raw today or SmackDown today? So I think that is what's missing across the board. Star power. There are no more stars in wrestling. And if you are a star right now in wrestling, it's you would probably not have been the same level of star 20 years ago. You'd probably be a mid card. Hello, everyone. This is Bruce Murray. You may know me as host of the Sirius XM Blitz on Sirius XM NFL Radio. Here now to introduce you to my new podcast, Going Long. Every week, I'll talk to big names both in and out of the world of sports, Hall of Famers, actors, actresses, comedians, broadcasters, maybe even some chefs. We'll discuss their lives, their successes, their failures, and of course, the one thing that connects all of them, a passion for sports. So join me every Thursday on the Sirius XM app, Pandora, Stitcher, and Apple Podcast for Going Long. Wrestlers today in the WWE have trouble getting over due to micromanaging. They're told where to stand, how to pose, when to scratch their ass. Nothing organic is allowed. It's all for that special shot. So let me ask you, Bully. Is there any way to be organic right now in the world of the WWE? No. So everything is polished. Everything is scripted. Everything is camera angle A, camera angle B. Everything. And that is one of the answers why it's hard to create, to have those stars anymore. Because any star from the past, Austin, Rock, Hunter, Taker, blah, 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 whoever, were all allowed to go out there and at least 50% of the time, hell, I'll even cut it down to 25% of the time, 25% of the time, do what they wanted to do to get themselves over. And once it caught fire, the company ran with it. Doesn't happen like that anymore. Now, everything is planned out for you already. Yeah, you have the ability to put matches together, but even those matches are scrutinized at times. All the time. Everything is, everything is produced. Everything. 
it's basically like um, a, a, a movie, um, any action movie. You think Stallone is allowing, uh, uh, in, in a Rocky movie or a Rambo movie, do you think he's allowing um, the other actors to do what they want to get over? No, but he understands the building of a character and a personality in order right. to make a compelling story. Right, and if the WWE creative team had some people writing as good as Stallone wrote for his characters, maybe they would get over like Stallone gets his characters over. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm just using it as an example of in soap operas, actors are not allowed to go into business for themselves. In movies, they can't go into business for themselves. You just don't see that. There's no improvisation. That's why things are working in AEW because guys and gals are allowed to go out there and be free and do what they have to do to get themselves over. Here is and and why does that work? Because it worked in ECW. And they're 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 following the ECW playbook in AEW. Here's the thing I'm wondering if they have in AEW or not. I know there are veterans there. I just don't know if they're veterans and I'm not talking about Cody and, and Jericho because they're very immersed in what they're doing. You need veterans there who are watching the entire company from 30,000 feet. Mm-hmm. When you went out there in ECW and you, and you were able to do whatever you wanted to do in that ring, you came back through that curtain and Heyman was waiting for you. And Heyman told you, great job. Thanks for busting your ass. Here's what you did right. Here's what you did wrong. Make sure you fix what you did wrong next time you go out there. And then Bigelow would pull you on the side, and then Funk would pull you on the side, and the list goes on and on. If you don't have that in a company to help tighten the screws of your talent, you're going to be doomed. Because then you just got a bunch of guys and gals going out there, doing they, what they want to do, coming back through the curtain, blowing smoke up cheap, eep, each other's asses, telling each other, that was great, that was great, that was great. The other talent going, oh my God, that was so good, that was so good. Meanwhile, a veteran is sitting there going, actually, that sucked. But the veteran doesn't say anything because they don't want to piss on the young boy's parade and doesn't want to, you know, upset the apple cart right now. And they're building towards something, but you need to, what's, what's the term? I'm, it was something that was on my report card when I was in grade school and high school, uh, con- taking, being able to take constructive criticism. I mean, that's something that would be on your report card. Are you able to take constructive criticism? Because being able to take constructive criticism is that is just that. That's how you can get better. If you're going to get a pat on the back every single time you do something, you're not going to get better because you think what you're doing is absolutely fantastic. I was having a conversation last night. You just brought up constructive criticism, and that exact word was brought up on a phone call last night, but brought up to the, to the most drastic of levels. I was talking to Enzo. We were just having a friendly phone call, just about stuff. And he was telling me about some of the stuff he watches on TV and this and that. And how he's how he was like, man, some of this stuff is just really, really bad. And I agree with him on some stuff. Um, we can agree that Enzo and Kaz are probably, if not the most overact to ever come out of NXT and ma- debut on the main roster, correct? Yes, that, that, that when they debuted the night after WrestleMania, it was huge. Okay, 
No other NXT act has ever debuted on the main roster like they did. During their run in NXT, mega over? I I felt they were mega over. They weren't in NXT. They weren't as well known, obviously, because NXT wasn't on USA, but they were mega over. Granted. Enzo said every single night he came through that curtain, he thought he was getting fired. Because you had to have that constructive criticism. He, for him, it, he said it wasn't just constructive criticism. They would come down so hard on them that Enzo's like, okay, now we're getting fired. We're getting fired. We're getting fired. But what they were doing was just trying to make them better, trying to make them better, trying to make them better. I'm not all about nailing guys, you know, like knocking guys down. Here's what you did wrong. Here's what you did wrong. Here's what you did wrong. But I'm also not about, oh my God, everything you did was so great, so great. There's a Talent balance. There's a balance. There has to be a balance. Personally, as a performer, I never gave a shit about what a veteran told me what I did well. I don't need anybody to tell me what I did well because the crowd already told me what I did well. And they're the only ones that matter. But I do want to hear from that veteran what I could have done better. What could I have sold better? What, what could I, you know, how could my psychology have done better? Younger wrestlers, you got to have a nice mixture of both. Here's what you did well. Here's what you could have did better. And here's how you do it better. That's what you need. You can't just say you did a great drop kick and your clothesline should have been better, but then never teach them how to throw the better clothesline. And that is what's missing a lot. I'm not saying it's missing in the WWE, but it's missing. The educating, the constructive criticism, the how to do a move better, how to tell a story better, how to cut a promo better, how to use better psychology, a better psychology. The constructive criticism has to happen a lot more, but we're dealing with personalities that are a lot more fragile in pro wrestling than they were back in the day because it's not starting at the ground level in wrestling schools. Wrestling schools are not toughening up young wrestlers anymore because the people running these wrestling schools were never toughened up in the first place and wouldn't know a damn thing about how to toughen up young talent or teach them how to get over. So you mentioned wrestling schools, and obviously you have the the Team 3D Academy, I know, you know, Austin Idol, who's been a guest on the show, he has his school as well. That Again, you've always talked about, hey, if you're going to go to a wrestling school, are you going to go to a guy that had a dark match in uh, in 2001 and never seen ever again? Or are you going to go to somebody who's, you know, a, 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 a Hall of Famer? Makes kind of, it makes sense. I mean, obviously you're a consumer. You're going to spend your money. Wouldn't you rather put your money someplace where you know you're going to get that type of feedback and that type of skills and that type of knowledge? But also, it's a problem on the next level, I think, too, Bully, because all you have to do is look at how much of a difference there is between what we're seeing on Wednesday nights on NXT and what we're seeing on Monday nights on Raw. I mean, you have guys that are getting over and becoming that next superstar when they leave the world of NXT, and all of a sudden it comes crashing down when it comes to the main roster and Monday Night Raw, there couldn't be a vast difference between the pro wrestling we see on Wednesdays and the sports entertainment, and I do use entertainment loosely, on Monday nights. But where are you seeing better pro wrestling on Wednesday nights? 
uh, between are you talking about between AEW and NXT? Yes. Well, I think I think AEW is is to me top to bottom. Where is a the better show. pro wrestling? Where is I, the better in ring product? I believe it's NXT. But but here's the problem, bully. They don't use those same values once you get to the main roster because it's a complete disconnect between NXT and the main roster. Because it's two different companies. My point is, going back to the constructive criticism for younger talents, when I watch NXT, I can t- NXT is the best in-ring product in pro wrestling TV right now. Let's forget about New Japan, okay? Because we don't get to see it all the time. On a weekly basis, the in-ring wrestling in NXT is better than every other show. Not just the WWE shows, it's better than AEW also. I can see that talent. I I can see them improving every week because I know when they're done, they're going back and Hunter's sitting them down and Sean is sitting them down and uh, Road Dogg is sitting them down and uh, Scotty Tuhati is sitting them down and blah, blah, blah. They're educating them. Here's what you did right. Here's what you did wrong. Here's how you do it better. Here's how you get better. I think AEW needs it. Now, I'm not taking anything away from any of the vet, like the Billy Guns or the Dean Malenkos or the Arn Andersons. I just don't see it as much there. I see a lot of Wild Wild West. And Wild Wild West does work and has worked in the past, but it'll only work for so long. I, I, you always talk about tightening the screws. Granted, maybe AEW needs to, I, I, I loved AEW, and I think they've attracted a young fan base that's been missing from pro wrestling no for two decades. Do I also agree with that there could be some tightening of the screws? Absolutely. But the problem with NXT, and granted, everything you said about NXT is spot on and 100% correct, but then, you, but then it's like going to a completely different world when you go to the main roster, because you just mentioned you just mentioned uh, Enzo and Kaz, as big as they were, within a year they broke that team up on the main roster. You know, you you, you look at like Keith Lee being as over as possibly can be, the star of the show, your champion. He's just another guy right now on Monday Night Raw, and there's probably and there's more examples of that. NXT is there to get talent TV ready. That is the sole purpose of NXT. Get talent TV ready. They may be talent. They may be TV ready when they leave NXT, but I believe they're more over in NXT personality wise, character wise, and creatively on that show on Wednesdays as opposed to the show on Monday nights. 1000%. But what, so what are they, what is Hunter supposed to do? Is he supposed to treat NXT like Monday Night Raw or SmackDown? And should NXT be a carbon copy of those two shows? No. And I, I, no, but I. Absolutely not. But this is why I wish, Bully, that AEW and NXT were not on the same night. I wish they were on different nights because, A, I think AEW's ratings wouldn't be that far off from the ratings we're seeing on Monday Night Raw. And actually, the last couple of weeks in that 18 to 49 demographic, AEW's actually beaten Monday Night Raw, which is insane if you think about it. But I also think NXT, if it was on a different night than AEW, 
I would actually be closer to those Monday Night Raw ratings as well. And you're talking about a show that's been on the air on USA for a cup of coffee compared to the show that we see on Monday nights. When certain talent is in the ring in AEW, things look good. So they they make sense. And then a lot of times there's talent in the ring that has no business being in the ring because their stuff doesn't look good and their stuff doesn't make sense. And that's where you need that constructive criticism once that match is over or you need a bit of an NXT where you become ready for the main show. Now to have AEW Dark, I think that's working to an extent. I see things played out on AEW Dark. If it doesn't work, you don't see it again. If it works, then you see it on Dynamite. But again, I I can't come down too hard on AEW. Now, Bull, you know more Nobody's than me. Nobody's coming down hard no, on no, AEW. No. no, but I'm saying that, again, they've been around for a short time. But I do agree some tightening of the screws need to happen. That's why you hear the frustration from Jim Ross at times on commentary. Because he knows there needs to be some tightening of the screws, and, the, and 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 I think this is indicative of, indicative of the mindset of some of these younger wrestlers. Didn't Jr. go on social media or say something on the show where he was basically saying whatever happened wasn't right? Or I think Jr. is getting extremely frustrated what what he sees in the middle of the ring. He has to be. There's no way in hell he's not. He knows what he's seeing is wrong, blatantly wrong, horribly wrong, and how in other companies it would never be allowed and nobody would get away with it. So I think he voiced his frustration one time, and then didn't one of the wrestlers go on social media and go, yeah, tune in tonight. We're going to do 37 dives and 52 backflips and kind of like kicking JR in the balls for pointing out what was wrong with the product? And then this talent came back and said, well, maybe if he would pull us on the side and try to talk to us and be a nicer about it, we would listen. I'm sure JR has tried to do that many, many, many times. You know how I know that? I was one of those younger talents that JR pulled on the side and talked to many, many, many times. And, 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 younger and guys and gals get over very fast sometimes. And it goes through their head a little bit. And they think everything that they're doing is working. And when you're in an atmosphere where everybody's like, rah, 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 sis, boom, bah, everything is great. Oh, my God, we're doing so well. Yay, 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 yay. Nobody takes the time to go, whoa, pump the brakes here. Yes, things are going well, but let's analyze where we can be doing better. And how do we do better? What tools do we have at our disposal to be better? Uh, if it was up to me, I would pick out a certain, uh, there, there would be certain talents. I'm just going to take AEW right now. Certain talents from AEW that I would tell, uh, you have to be in the ring at uh, noon every day because from noon to two uh, on Wednesdays or whatever, we're going to do a mini uh, psychology class or we're going to do a mini uh, you know promo class. Those things have been going on in wrestling forever. Tracy Smothers took it upon himself to do it for us in ECW. Paul Heyman didn't tell him to do that. Tracy the veteran told all the young boys, everybody in the ring at 5 o'clock. And you know what the veterans did? They followed. The veterans went to the ring first just to hear Tracy talk and explain stuff. And then all the young boys followed. That's the way this business, is when it's done right, should be done. All of the old school... Rules and tools work 
Use the foundation that this business was built on. Dave, you can build any house you want. You want to build a contemporary house. You want to build a skyscraper. You want to, you want to, you want to build a ranch. You can build any house you want if what is strong? The foundation. Boom. Same thing in pro wrestling. Hey, everyone. This is Lisa Ann, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences, past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app and Apple Podcasts. Monday Night Raw tonight. Is it just going to be a showcase for these returning legends? Is this just an excuse to quote-unquote pop a rating because ratings have been down for Monday Night Raw? Or is there a method to their madness and they actually use these legends to get this current roster over? Because Bully said, you know, there is a lack of star power. And, you know, from some of the calls that we've taken, Bully, there is no doubt that the brand WWE is bigger than any one star. Pro wrestling has always been about stars. Well, in the WWE, even though they don't call them wrestler, wrestlers, they call them superstars. It's all about the brand. And case in point is, you know, Bully just said, hey, in the nine, late nine, 99, you're thanking Stone Cold for the house. Hey, Stone Cold, thanks for the house tonight. Bret Hart in his book, who I just I just recently reread, he talked about, hey, he would go up to Hogan, shake his hand, and say, thank you for the house. Well, who are you thanking for the house right now? Forget, I know we're in a pandemic. There are no houses. I get it. We're all in the Thunderdome. But, it doesn't matter. You know, go right before the pandemic. Who are you thanking yeah. for the house? Who are you thanking for the house? Because the way these championship titles are flip-flopped, the way... Look, I'm looking at the tag team champions right now because, believe me, Bully, in the mid-'80s, you know, there was a lot of people that are thanking Hawk and Animal for the house back in the day. But I look at the WWE, all right, you know, the um, the Raw tag team champions, Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin, already before they even won the titles, you see that, that you know, Cedric Alexander's getting a little cocky. He's got an ego about him. He's showing off you know, above all, everybody in her business. It's just a matter of time before that tag team implodes. Asuka and Charlotte Flair. Asuka's also your Royal Women's Champion. It's only a matter of time before that team implodes. Like, you know, the way the championship titles are are used in the WWE is vastly different than any other time before. And it's more about the brand. Now, on the flip side, Bully, before we get back to the calls, and there's plenty of them, and we're going to get to you. But Bully, there is the flip side to that because, you know, Stone Cold didn't want Brock to get over. He didn't think it was the right time. He didn't think that it was uh, the, the right thing to do. So what did he do? He left. Well, right now you don't have to worry about that. You know, Roman Reigns was not able to compete at WrestleMania 36, obviously because of the pandemic and he was just getting over leukemia. You know what? We put Braun Strowman in his place. And it was, it was easily done. It was easily done. You know, Hogan, like I said, if Hogan wasn't on the card, it was the difference between 20000 and 6000 And anybody that doesn't believe me, ask somebody who went to see Hogan back in the day and went to a show where Hogan wasn't there. 
It's not the case right now. It's all about the brand. It's all about the WWE. And that might be a big reason, Bully, why there is a lack of stars on the main roster. Okay, I want to go to the phones. I agree with you. Just before we do, set this guy straight. You ready? Chris McDonald on the old Twitter machine. He goes, Ron Killings can do Saturday Night Live. Okay, Ron Killings is an amazing talent. He is funny as all hell. I agree with you. He could definitely be a cast member of Saturday Night Live. Outside the 1.7 million people that watch Monday Night Raw on a weekly basis, you tell me how many people know the name Ron Killings. We're not talking about talent, you fucking idiot. We're talking about name recognition, star power. Have you not heard anything that we've been talking about for the last two hours? It's not about talent. It's about how they're perceived and the star power. Obviously, any one of these, pick Oscar, Ron Killings, Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens. There's an extreme mass of talent that's on the Raw, NXT, and SmackDown roster. Creatively, have they created superstars that mainstream media knows? Take Ron Killings and put him on TV. How many people outside of wrestling fans are going to know who he is? It's a shame. It's a shame that, he, that more people don't know who he is. But, Bully, that's what we've been trying to talk about for the last two hours. Correct, Amundo. I think what you're trying to say to our good friend Chris McDonald on the Twitter machine is, Chris... If you remove your head from your ass, it'll help you to listen better. To the phones we go, Dave. <sighs> New year, I thought things would be different. Let's go to let's, let's go to Bama Dave. Bama Dave, what's going on, buddy? Happy New Year, guys. How are y'all? Happy New Year. Well, Dave, let me see if I can help you get into a better mood. Uh, I, I agree with I agree with everything you guys have been saying. I think the WWE is the marquee, and they go, look, you're going to pay to watch us, you're going to pay to see us. So whatever we put out there, you're going to learn to you're going to learn to love it, and you're going to learn to enjoy it. Well, I really I quick, think- Bama Dave, Bama Dave, before you continue, one thing I think I want to make clear, and I think Bully would agree with me. AEW has been making great strides for a young organization and a young show. They are setting a foundation. They are. They are building on something, and they've been able to attract a younger audience. But I think everybody that's listening to the show would agree that the WWE is still the biggest company in pro wrestling and you know, is the captain of this pro wrestling ship. So when the WWE is doing well, the whole world of pro wrestling is doing well. When they're in a slump like they are right now, if you feel the ripple effects throughout the whole world of pro wrestling. Please continue, Bama Day. Oh, absolutely. I 100% agree. And I love AEW and I love what they're doing over there. And I, I want every program to be successful. I want Impact, ROH. I want the NWA to come back and become stronger than ever. I want every promotion to be successful. I'm, I'm glad you but, feel that way, Bama Dave, because I doubt that every wrestling fan feels that way by what I read on social media. But please continue. I know it's a shame. We need to all be fans of the product and no matter who's on the screen. Um, but to answer you guys' original question, who should be the next Stone Cold Steve Austin? I think they had it, and then they just didn't know what to do anymore, and that was with Becky. 
Becky was a female Stone Cold. Calling herself the man was controversial. Being willing to go out there and challenge John Cena was controversial. The 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 no nonsense attitude, you know, the the challenging everybody left and right, slapping slapping Vince, slapping Triple H, slapping Stephanie. You know, they had something there. Even now, even though she's off screen, when she tweets anything like the like the like the book she's thinking about or the pictures of her baby, she, everybody said Becky broke the internet. She's still probably sitting at home holding her baby, the most over superstar still on the WWE roster. So I know they have something with her. But again, like you said, what's the ceiling for her? Okay, she went on uh, straight up Steve Austin. She's been on Billions, the TV show. She's done a few things. But at what point will, will they look at her and go, look, no, the answer is no to that. You can't go do that because we can't have you become bigger than the company. Listen, if you go back and you watch um... – you know, what was that movie with Adam Sandler, the uh, the remake of the Burt Reynolds movie, Longest Yard? Long, yeah. Longest Yard. You had Stone Cold Steve Austin. You had the great Khali before he became a WWE superstar. You had, Kevin Nash, you had uh, Nash. You know, originally, the producers of that movie wanted WWE superstars. Well, the WWE's like, well, wait, if you want our talent, then we want a piece of this. We want a piece of that. All of a sudden, instead of using current WWE superstars, they use former WWE superstars. Now, they probably should have looked at that. All right, this is a showcase to put our current wrestlers in a major motion picture that's going to garner mainstream attention. That's not how the WWE looks at it. They look at it, hey, these are our players. You got to play by our rules. Well, when you do that, you can only go so far. Your superstars on your roster can only go so far. Now, you mentioned Becky Lynch, Bama Dave, and it, there's I I look back and tell me if I'm wrong, Bully or Bama Dave. To me, the mo the three most over superstars in the WWE the last ten years have been CM Punk, Daniel Bryan. And Becky Lynch, CM Punk, no question. CM Punk, who did they, they did not want to get over. And by the way, while he was champion, was never in the main event of a pay-per-view. Correct. Daniel Bryan was not supposed to be in the main event at WrestleMania 30 in a championship match. That was supposed to be. They thought Batista was going to be welcome back with open arms. Let's push the new current superstar aside and let's bring in the returning legend. And the fans said no. They wanted Daniel Bryan. So everything was scrapped, and they went with Daniel Bryan. Becky Lynch, if you remember, Bully and I were pulling our hair out for crying out loud on this show because if you remember, even after that punch in the face from Nia Jax, they still wanted you to boo Becky Lynch, and they wanted you to cheer Charlotte Flair. Yep. So, so the three biggest superstars the last 10 years how did they become the biggest superstars organically through the fans? That's right. not the way the WWE wants their game to be played. They do not want the they, – they could say it to their blue in, their, in the face about that the fans run the show. We know it's not true just based on what we're watching right now. And, and, and this, is, this is one of the reasons why, if I'm a WWE fan um, – I don't really see the light at the end of the tunnel because you just gave three great examples over the past 10 years of what the fans wanted. And all three of those, of those acts worked in one way, shape or form. They all got over to the moon, punk, Daniel Bryan and Becky Lynch. 
Becky should send Nia Jax a, uh, a Christmas present and a birthday present every year for putting her face in front of Nia Jax's fist. It worked, though. So if, I, if it's me and I'm looking back and I'm saying, all right, what has worked over the past 10 years? Well, this, this, and this. Did it work because we wrote it down on paper and it worked? Nope. It worked because people wanted it. The fans wanted it. And that's why Austin 316 worked. I, I don't remember the last act that was fully written, and I'm not talking about COVID era. I don't remember the last act that was fully written that ever got over to the to the lengths of those three or to a Cena or to a Hogan. This business is best when it's 50-50. 50% on creative, 50% on the talent. The talent are the one in the trenches. The talent are in the middle of the ring. The talent feel the atmosphere and the fans first. Where are the ones up close and possible, uh, up close and personal? Dave, I've told you before, I've sat in locker rooms where the boys were just riffing off the top of their head and in five minutes come up with better storylines than creative teams could come up with in five, five months. And, and, and Bama Dave, thanks for the phone call. That's why you just had a slip of the tongue, but I think what you originally said was even better when you said up close and possible because – Everything was possible. Everything was possible. It was in your own hands to get over and to get to that next level. So everything was possible. Now in this current world, it's not. It's what's written for you by somebody, whether you're going to get to that next level or not. Because here's the thing that nobody wants to talk about, Bully, and let's bring up CM Punk. CM Punk got over. He was huge. The pipe bomb, everything else, right? Yes. And then what did they do? As soon as he became big, they changed his character. They changed his personality. All of a sudden, he's high five in Triple H in the middle of the ring. You look at Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan was in the main event at WrestleMania 30. Huge. Everybody. I'm t- I remember my daughter was going to the Boys and Girls Club. They were doing a whole. They were doing the Yes Chant everywhere at hockey games, at football games, at baseball games. He's in the opening contest at WrestleMania 31 for the Intercontinental Championship a year later at WrestleMania. Then you look at Becky Lynch, and before she announced that she was pregnant and was stepping aside, you and I were criticizing what creative was doing for her and how it was a disconnect and how people couldn't relate because of what was going on creatively. So even when it's handed to them by their own fan base that we love this person, we want to cheer this person, this is the next fill in the blank, whether it's Hogan, Stone Cold, Cena. Here's the next person that we love. They find a way to fuck it up, Bully. They fuck it up. This is the first show of the new year, isn't it? Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Maybe maybe three F-bombs, two rants. No, you're not wrong. Listen, I, I agree with you because I witness it with my own eyes. I've been a part of it for a long time. Uh, I've been blessed to be around the right wrestling minds my entire career to be able to see this from a mile away. Sometimes one of the best things that can happen to a wrestler is they get injured. 
and they come back from that injury because absence makes the heart grow fonder. They go away for a little while. They come back, and they're fresh. So this pregnancy could benefit Becky a lot. And if I'm the WWE, I'm saying, all right, when (laughs) – seriously, I'm giving Becky the stone-cold treatment when she comes back. That's it. End of story. There's, there's, There's no discussion what are we doing with Becky from uh what are we doing with Becky when she comes back? Pull out the Austin playbook and follow it. And wherever it says Steve, plug in Becky. So, <laughs> wrestling is simple. Remember, keep it simple, stupid. K-I-S-S. And when you keep it simple, it works. Break the glass, drink a beer, flip some people off, hit the stunner. Same thing with Becky. Obviously, not drinking a beer, blah, blah, blah. Same thing. Stick to the plan. In her own way, what she's going to do. Make us forget about Stone Cold Steve Austin. Make us forget about Stone Cold. Make us want to buy a ticket to see Becky Lynch. I mean, here we are, Rumble season. You want to know the six favorites for the Rumble right now? (laughs) You You got Keith Lee. You got Keith Lee, who's... Just uh, unfortunately, because they don't know how to book him, is just another guy who should be should have been pushed to the moon after being Randy Orton, but they put the brakes on him. Daniel Bryan, who, you know, since he's come back, has kind of just been, you know, change of character, change of personality, up and down the card. And Big E, who seems to be getting a real push as your intercontinental champion, though I don't know why we have him in a tag match with Apollo Crews on SmackDown. And then you have Edge, Brock Lesnar, and The Rock. So three out of the six favorites for the Royal Rumble this year, three of them are Edge, who's in the Hall of Fame, Rock, who is one of the greatest superstars of all time and hasn't been in the ring in a competitive match since, what, WrestleMania 28 at MetLife Stadium, and Brock Lesnar, who right now, as of right now, isn't even signed to the WWE. So three wrestlers who aren't even on the roster currently are three of the top six picks for the Rumble this year. That's a problem. Because we should be talking about the next guy, the next big guy. I hope that we see a, a Big E winning the Rumble. I hope it's a Keith Lee or a Daniel Bryan winning the Rumble. And no offense uh, to uh, Edge, Brock, or Rock. And eliminating the Rock, the rock or eliminating Brock or eliminating yes. Edge. Yes, now, you're going to say to me, well, wait, LaGreca, you just named the top six, but there's one name you, there's one name you forgot about. Yeah, because the top name is Goldberg. That's the, that's the name that's on the tip of the tongue of everybody talking about the Rumble is Goldberg. Goldberg, Edge, Brock, and Rock. Come on now. Use these returning legends the right way, please. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.